0: Illinois eviction moratorium ends Sunday.
1: Rivian invites pre-order holders to normal for test drives.
0: More on these stories. I'm Kelsey Watznower. I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. So a lot happened this week, but first we're going to dive on into something that technically happened last weekend. Sierra got to drive a Rivian. Sierra, what happened? Okay, so um,
1: on Sunday, Rivian debuted its first mile event, which invited pre-order holders for the launch edition of the R1T to the normal production facility. Um, It was actually outside of the facility where near the chest track, and they had like stations set up that um, talked about different features on the vehicle, such as like all the storage spaces that it has, um, more about the charging infrastructure that Rivian hopes to implement, and how to charge the Rivian at home. And then um, a lot of McLean County leaders, plus Rivian employees and media, were invited out on Sunday, and we all got to test drive the the truck. And let me tell you, it was really exciting. I was extremely nervous the entire time because I kept thinking about um, what would happen if I accidentally crashed the truck. Um, I'm not a vehicle expert or a reviewer at all, but... Um, I thought it was really neat, it was a really smooth ride, we did the 0-60 to um, on the test track and then we did some off-roading stuff like there was a rocky creek bed that we got to drive across and an uphill vista which was kind of like a rock wall, Um, that one made me the most nervous. Uh, just because it was kind of it felt like it was kind of a steep hill and it was rocks and you could only go up at like three miles an hour but the truck I mean it handled it so smoothly that I didn't even you know I wasn't even worried at all um, once we got into it and my um, co-pilot Hannah Naya, who was from uh, Colorado was really helpful and uh, we got some great photos and video for people to look up. After the test drive, we also got to uh, tour the production facility, which was really awesome. Um, it's super high-tech. It feels like a really like high-tech production facility, you know, with all of the robots and the automated um, like things they have going on there. Um, we're excited to see Rivian debut the R1T. Uh, see people start driving the the truck on the roads and stuff. They also said that um, production of the uh R1S SUV is supposed to begin in December and about a hundred Amazon delivery vans are supposed to be uh, delivered to Amazon by the end of the year as part of their deal to make a hundred thousand of those vehicles. So lots of exciting stuff. Again, photos, videos, whatever you want to look up, you can find it all at pantograph.com. Um, you can find my story, my column. I wrote a column about the you know, drive and stuff, so please check it out. Uh, with that, we're going to go into some other uh, local business, um, this one coming out of Decatur.
0: So Kelsey, why don't you tell me about what's going on with this Decatur former councilman? A former Decatur councilman is opening a new restaurant on the city's west side this fall. Rodney Walker resigned from his seat in July, and by the beginning of November, he's planning to, planning to open Sky City Grill at 1099 West Main Street, just southeast of Milliken's campus. To capture some of the university traffic, Walker said he will have a walk-up window for late-night diners and about 50 customers can be seated inside during the regular dining hours. With a gaming room, televisions throughout, and a small bar, diners-, diners will be offered a variety of menu items from breakfast entrees to sandwiches, salads to wings, even lamb to fish. For the full scoop on Sky City Grill, be sure to check out Donette Beckett's story at herald-review.com.
1: Um back in normal a new clothing boutique is headed for the shops at College Hills this fall. Dry goods will become one of forty tenants at the outdoor mall and fill a space near Von Mauer, offering a variety of jewelry, clothing and accessories. The The boutique is a subsidiary of Von Mauer that started in Aurora and has since expanded to 69 stores across 18 states. An opening date hasn't been announced yet, but future customers can look forward to perks like a free tote bag at the grand opening. Uh, To learn more, you can find my full story at
0: Panagraph.com. And a young Mattoon artist currently has his work displayed at the Cross County Mall this month as the Mattoon Arts Council's featured artist. Skylar Hardin, who is also the youngest member of the Arts Council, is a freelance graphic designer and illustrator who is excited to inspire young artists during his first public exhibit. Harden recently joined the organization, which aims to develop and support high-quality, affordable arts programs and activities for people of all ages. He first began his journey into the arts with doodling and sketching as a child before pursuing artwork as a serious hobby in his early teens. He has so far created logo graphics for businesses, flyers for local bands, and t-shirt designs, including a recent commission for a Ram logo shirt for the auth- Arthur Christian School. If you want to read more about Hardin and all of his art, you can find that story from Rob Stroud at jg-tc.com. And now let's talk some state and local government. Before we get
1: into local government news, we're going to talk about the Illinois eviction moratorium which is set to expire this Saturday. State House reporter Brendan Moore wrote this week that more than 120,000 Illinoisans could become unhoused as a moratorium on residential eviction ends. The moratorium was enacted more than 18 months ago in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and state, local governments, and social service agencies are racing to process the remaining thousands of requests for rental assistance. Brendan and reporters Kate Heather and Tim Eggert took a look at the statewide issue, how it's being felt on local and state levels, and what agencies are trying to do to help families as they are in danger of losing their homes. You can find the full story at pianograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com for more information. In addition to the eviction moratorium ending, utility shutoffs in some cities are also expiring, which puts potentially thousands of people in danger of losing water and sewer services. You can find my story about what's happening in Bloomington Normal with utility shutoffs at Pantagraph.com.
0: Illinois is joining four other Midwest states to create a framework that will accelerate vehicle electrification in the region. Electrification is a fun word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Governor J.B. Pritzker signed the agreement, joining Indiana, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan to create the Regional Electric Vehicle Midwest Coalition. The effort, of course, comes as electric vehicle manufacturer Rivian begins to roll out the first delivery of its long-anticipated R1T pickup, the first fully electric truck to hit the market. To read more about what this coalition hopes to accomplish and other efforts to promote clean energy in Illinois and surrounding areas, find Sierra Henry and Brendan Moore's rundown at Panograph.com, herald-review.com, and gg-tc.com.
1: Normal town officials on Thursday defended the removal of a memorial poster honoring Illinois State University graduate student Jelani Day, who was found dead September 4th. The move has sparked a debate on social media about whether the decision was appropriate. The poster, which showed an image of Day with the word Jelani over his head, was placed by an anonymous artist on the west side of the 104 East Beaufort Street building in Uptown Normal. Um on Tuesday. Town officials took down the painting Wednesday saying it violated town code. You can find my story at pantograph.com where I include comments from what people in the community had to say about the poster's removal as well as how the town plans to reserve the poster for future memorials and vigils at Illinois State University. And that's all at pantograph.com and more. We continue to follow the story and uh, Jelani's case as police slowly release more information. You can expect a larger story this weekend coming out from a rep- reporter Brendan Dennison about uh, DNA testing and all of that you can find our full coverage at pantograph.com uh, to look at how we got here and just like a timeline of events and more
0: and in Bloomington, the City Council narrowly voted Monday to direct city staff to investigate existing state and nonprofit assistance programs to fund direct aid payments to residents who have suffered severe flood damage this summer. Three months ago, hundreds of Bloomington residents suffered damages from backups by city owned sewers overwhelmed by stormwater in June, reporter Tim Eggert wrote this week. Ten residents who experienced such damages are demanding a $310,000 settlement or warned the city could face a lawsuit. The homeowners and renters are from the city's East Gate and South Hill neighborhoods and have endured property and financial losses between $10,000 and $75,000 from raw sewage flooding their basements and living spaces. Tim has closely followed the developments pertaining to this flood damage, threats to sue the city, and what the city is trying to do to help residents. For full coverage on the on this issue and more, you can find his stories at pantograph.com. Alrighty, now let's move into some health news down in Coles County. Take it away, Sierra. The Coles County
1: Health Department has opened online registration for Pfizer booster shots, which are available to those whose last dose was administered six months ago or more. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the CDC recommend those aged 65 and over, those living in long-term care settings, and those between the ages of 50 and 64 with underlying conditions should receive a booster six months after their last shot. People interested in making an appointment can schedule a time for their booster online at events.com j u v as in victor a r e dot com forward slash i l dash i d p h find athena pager's story
0: at jg-tc.com for more information And just quickly, I want to reference uh, the Panagraph hosted a roundtable this afternoon, uh, this Friday afternoon. Medical professionals in Central Illinois joined Panagraph editor Chris Coates and reporter Lindsay Jones on Friday to offer their thoughts on all things COVID-19. You can watch representatives from Carl Health, OSF Healthcare, HSHS Medical Group, and Decatur Memorial Hospitals weigh in on vaccines, hospitalizations, and what we can expect in the coming months at Panagraph.com under the Health tab okay now let's move into education uh a lot going on there sierra what's up first
1: A shortage of school bus drivers has been causing problems for some Decatur families, Herald and Review reporter Valerie Wells wrote this week. With 19 bus routes without drivers, many families have been forced to choose between finding a way to get their students to school themselves or worry about childcare and remote learning. But this isn't just a Decatur problem or even a central Illinois problem. Bus driver shortages are being seen nationwide. The causes are varied as some drivers around retiring age are concerned about COVID exposure and some oppose vaccination mandates. Valerie spoke with families and the district about how they're handling or trying to handle this issue, breaking it down at a local and nationwide level. To learn
0: more, be sure to find her story at herald-review.com. Supply chain issues are hitting school cafeterias and students are starting to notice. Several McLean County school districts reported they have had a lot of trouble stocking their shelves as manufacturing delays, production and delivery, employee shortages, and other factors take effect. Food service directors said ordering enough food for their district sometimes takes four times as long this semester as they're hit with out-of-stock messages and redirected to substitution lists. Chicken, dairy, pork, potatoes, oil, and even pizza have been hard to cut, have been difficult to come by. But the supply issues also extend beyond core food products to condiments, packaging, plastic goods, and bottled beverages. Supply concerns come back to increased demand labor shortages capacity capacity restraints in production facilities and weather events the USDA is working to be flexible on school nutrition requirements and distributors are being as proactive as they can be but it seems like this issue it but it seems like this issue isn't going away anytime soon. To read how students are being affected, you can find my story at paintergraph.com.
1: Two dozen towering sunflowers line the fence at Jefferson Elementary School in Charleston where an Eagle Scout project has helped Luca Carassi build a classroom from a garden. The soon-to-be Eagle Scout made the garden the capstone of his leadership project, which included spending his winter break constructing a garden shed and spending his br- spring break building a fence. The garden is used to teach student lessons about plant structure, healthy eating, and leadership. The garden is actually undergoing five different projects and is used by students across the district. With five projects in one, Luca has taken on quite a bit with this garden, and Athena Pager has the full story on how he's helping students and the community. Find that
0: report at jg-tc.com. And to follow up... And to follow up on a story we talked about two weeks ago, after three fights broke out in one day at Bloomington High School, two students have been expelled and two students have withdrawn. Eight students were initially suspended after the fights on September 13th, and Superintendent Barry Riley recommended four for expulsion. After lengthy hearings, the school board voted to expel one student for the remainder of this school year and next school year, and they voted to expel one student for for just the remainder of this school year. The parents of the other two students agreed an expellable offense had occurred and voluntarily withdrew from BHS instead of going through the hearing process. All four students were recommended for the SAVE program at the Regional Alternative School in Bloomington, and if they're successful in that program, they could come back to BHS next year. I have full coverage of these hearings and disciplinary measures, and you can find my full stories at pantograph.com. And now let's take it into sports.
1: Since COVID has touched every aspect of our lives in the last 19 months, high school sports were no different. Panagraph reporter Jim Benson talked to football coaches this week about how this pandemic has upended their plans from forfeits to cancellations to shifting seasons. Across the state, student athletes have seen their future, put on pause, and for some, changed completely. Check out Jim's story to hear from coaches and athletic directors who have tried their best to give these kids the seasons they've been looking forward to. Find that at Panagraph.com. It's also still homecoming season around central Illinois, with U High and Normal facing Decatur's Eisenhower school at 7 p.m tonight at the university level illinois wesleyan and Milliken are also celebrating homecoming this weekend wesleyan kicks off at 1 p.m saturday at tucci stadium taking on elmhurst and Milliken also kicks off at 1 p.m facing carthage on the frank m lindsey field and now we're going to take it into some public safety and courts news kelsey what happened to normal this week
0: Police said Monday a 20-year-old shooting victim had succumbed to his injuries. Roy Ward Jr. of Peoria died September 22nd at a local hospital. Three days after a report of gunshots drew officers to the area of 19 Trader Circle in Normal. On scene, police found Ward with several gunshot wounds and he was transported to the hospital. No arrests have been made in this case and no suspects have been publicly identified. To follow this case, you can find Kate Heather's reports at Pantograph.com.
1: 20-year-old Tom L. Wilson was formally charged Thursday with first-degree murder in the 2019 shooting death of Suave Turner in Decatur. Wilson was already in custody serving a four-year sentence at Vandalia Correctional Center on an unrelated drug charge when he appeared in Macon County Court. According to Decatur Police, 28-year-old Turner was brought to St. Mary's Hospital on May 30, 2019 with a single gunshot wound to the chest. Authorities believed he was shot while at a convenience store in the 1500 block on North MLK Drive. Turner was pronounced stead in the emergency room. For more on Wilson's case, be sure to check out Brendan Moore's report at heraldhyperreview.com.
0: A 17-year-old girl was injured in gunfire on Monday on the east side of Bloomington. Officers responded to the 1300 block of North Hershey Road for reports of shots fired, and there they found evidence that an occupied apartment had been struck. The girl, who was pregnant, was taken to a local hospital for her injuries, but but her injuries were not considered to be life-threatening. No arrests have been made so far in this shooting. For the full story, find Kay Teller's report at Panagraph.com. Now let's lighten things up. Let's talk about bagpipes, man. (laughs) (laughs) How
1: does one begin playing the bagpipe? Well, this week, Donat Beckett interviewed and wrote a feature profile on Decatur musician Terry Potter, who plays the bagpipes at funerals, weddings, and military ceremonies and celebrations in her full Scottish regalia. Potter first began learning how to play the bagpipe in 1999 as a way to connect her Scottish and Irish ancestry. Her first interest in the instrument first began during a high school tour to Scotland in the early 1970s. This was a really great profile diving into the history of the bagpipe and more. If you want to learn more about Potter and her bagpipe,
0: find Donette's story at heraldhyperreview.com. In other fun community news this week, I got to meet a monkey. Uh... The Miller Park Zoo well, uh, did an, a ribbon cutting Friday morning and welcomed Chumu, the DeBrazos monkey, to the zoo. Um, he actually, not only did Jay Tesloff the zoo superintendent, do his own ribbon cutting, they covered the entryway, the, the monkey's entryway, with streamers. So he kind of had his own ribbon cutting when he walked out and said hello to the people. It was great. Um, this project uh, with the Debrasis monkeys as well as the red flan- red flanked dikers, uh, there's a breeding pair of each of them coming. That project was part of a capital grant they got from the Illinois State Department of Natural Resources and the project in total was a $630,000 pro- project. Um, that's been in the works for a couple years now, and they actually had hoped it was, would open next year, but it got delayed, because everything got delayed, and 600000 of that 630 dollars uh, was a grant from the state, so um, significantly less city dollars than um, than expected. Um, but yeah, my story is up at pantograph.com, and I got some videos of... Jay talking about the the new monkey, Chumu. He's 17. He's a handsome guy. He's got a white beard, really long tail, really like personable and like wants to, he came right up to the glass and did not hesitate. He wanted to make friends. It was great. Um, the female of the DeBrasa's the monkey is still in quarantine, so she wasn't out yet, but she will be soon. And then the dikers, which are tiny antelopes from Africa, they're really short antelopes. They're also going to be in there with them. they um, The female has arrived, but she's a little bit terrified, so she's not out yet. And the male is coming later this year from Texas. Did you have something? <laughs>
1: yeah, I do. I think the little antelope things are so cute. Okay. They're so cute. I think the monkeys are also cute. Can you pull up a picture of the, on the monkey? One? We'll include a picture of the monkey in the podcast. Of course. Um, yes. The, oh, yeah. I don't like monkeys, but I think the Debraza monkey is kind of cute. Um,
0: so distinguished with his beard. Monkeys
1: make me slightly uncomfortable, but <laughs> I think they're really cute. I think the, um, the red flanked dwiker is so adorable. It's Just so they, It's like a tiny fat deer, and um, I love it. I want to snuggle it.
0: It looks so snuggleable. Uh, the, yeah, the deer is adorable. Um, I, I, we should say antelope that's a different thing technically <laughs> it's a very small antelope sorry um, but they're kind of from the same region ish or at least like their region overlaps in like central west africa so it it works that they can live together and you know monkeys they they live in trees so like the enclosure has like stuff all up up above so it makes sense that they could have an antelope at least especially a teeny tiny little diker like this on the ground and it's not a big deal but yeah Jumu with his white beard is so distinguished. I just wanted to hang out with him all day.
1: (laughs) He's a gentleman. (laughs) He
0: is a gentleman and a a scholar.
1: A a gentleman and a scholar.
0: Panagraph.com.
1: Yeah, so that's going to do it for us today, folks. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast and are reporting, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, head on over to Panagraph.com gerald and jj-tc.com to look up subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism.